today on Ag News Daily. You know, not having to retrofit entire facilities instantly with camera technology, even though it's, it's pretty cost competitive. I think we want to put it in the hands of people to, to see and validate. Like, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell here, joined by Mike Pearson. Mike, we didn't have a podcast yesterday. It was President's Day, but we're back in action today. We sure are. We're back in action. We are talking technology specifically. We're going to be talking swine counting technology. Nothing, excuse me, not a thing you necessarily think of, but a very, very vital part of running a modern swine operation. And now machine learning is going to make that job a little bit easier. So stay tuned. We'll have that conversation in a little bit. But in the meantime, Delaney, the world of agricultural news continues to turn. And we'll talk about this when we hit the markets a little bit later on, but it was an explosive day in the wheat market earlier today. Any speculation why? Yes, quite a bit of speculation. In fact, uh, a big part of it was just we'd seen this incredible wave of selling prompted by coronavirus fears. That started to ease off. Coronavirus uh, slowed down here over this past week. China saw their lowest number of deaths in quite a while. They saw their lowest number of new infections. That helped the market feel a little bit more comfortable that maybe we'll be able to get a handle on this thing before too long. So that was bullish factor number one. Bullish factor number two came out of Australia. It was widely anticipated that their wheat crop was going to be much smaller than anticipated. In fact, it was their smallest wheat crop in, I believe, about 20 years due to the drought that has been devastating that country and continent. Of course, Australia is the only one that is both. And um, it, it basically, Australia published those numbers earlier today, confirmed the trade's fears, and that helped spur some bull buying. The other factor is something that didn't garner a whole lot of talking points, but it's fascinating, and it could be worth keeping an eye on here over the next several months. There have been swarms of locusts, grasshoppers, marauding across eastern Africa and parts of Asia. And these grasshoppers are diving into, well, any fields, but wheat in particular, and devouring whole crops in hours. And it's basically a biblical plague going on. And, of course, anytime you get a biblical plague-type situation, you get some folks nervous about what could happen with supply. So all those factors combined today and created an explosive north-of-20-cent move in the wheat markets earlier today. Wow, that is uh, very explosive then to move 20 cents to the upside. Mike, but I do have just a quick piece of news tying into the coronavirus. It seems that perhaps it is doing a little better slowing down in China, but in Taiwan, they've actually seen the coronavirus ramp up difficulties, especially in getting products into their ports. U.S. exporters in particular are having a very difficult time shipping fruits and vegetables and wine and meat and all of the commodities we send out to Taiwan because of the coronavirus quarantines and port closures going on in Taiwan right now, as well as other suspended cargoes. And the uh, USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service is monitoring the situation very closely. But like we mentioned before on the podcast, they've had to pull pretty much all of their folks out of that area due to safety concerns for their workers. Interesting. Port congestion is a hot topic today, Delaney. You mentioned there in Taiwan, of course, 
We are seeing similar congestion, but on a smaller scale, probably in China. And recently, very similar types of congestion have broken out down in Brazil, particularly at the port of Santos, where Brazilian truckers have just decided to go on strike. This is going to back up loading times, and it is now forcing Chinese soybean buyers to look at American beans. We've been waiting for China to come into the U.S. market, and this could be the spark that does it because these Brazilian truck strikes seldom are short-lived. They tend to be rather long-lasting as uh, the truckers negotiate with the government and you know everybody gets it out and measures it, so to speak, and uh, it seems like that's what's going to be happening down there in Brazil. So there were five different Chinese grain importers that came out today and said, well, I guess we're going to start looking at American beans. Now, this was good news. It didn't move the bean market a whole heck of a lot, but it's positive sentiment for the trade as well as the fact that China came out and said in their battle to fight coronavirus, they are going to list 696 products as free from import tariffs and among them, American soybeans and American pork. So all of a sudden, those recent tariffs that have driven those prices higher in China are going to disappear, assuming the companies apply for waivers and do make the effort to buy those American products. So those two factors should be bullish longer term here for both beans and pork. Yeah, I think the big picture here, the big story is that the coronavirus is impacting things now, but longer term, I think we've got the possibility to, you know, get in there finally get some of our U.S. products into China in particular, but it's just a really long time coming is what it feels like. Yeah, a very long time coming. We've been waiting on this, oh boy, well, for 18 months. And specifically, we've been waiting on this since November when these tariffs or this trade deal was supposed to be announced. Hopefully, we're going to start to see the rubber meet the road here and China actually write some checks and get some U.S. goods imported. Well, we've seen rubber hit the road or rubber meet the road really in some continued lawsuits against Bayer and BASF. On Saturday, actually, I didn't even know that courts met on Saturday, but they do apparently because on Saturday we saw a federal jury award a Missouri peach farmer about $250 million in punitive damages following a compensatory award on Friday to the same farmer of about $15 million because of a dicamba drift case that this farmer filed. It was Bader Farms down in Cape Girardeau, and they filed originally asking for $20.9 million. Didn't quite get that. They only got about $15.2 million, but they said, you know, basically it was because of negligent failure to warn about the dicamba drift issues that impacted their peach production. And of course, Bayer came out and said, in a statement that they would be appealing the jury's decision and they were very disappointed in the jury's verdict and that they were not responsible. They felt empathy for Mr. Bader of Bader Farms, but they were not responsible for those losses that he sought in the lawsuit. Well, but the jury disagreed, and that is a big check, they'll have for it. I'm sure they will end up appealing that ruling, but it is certainly something that could uh, really impact things going forward. It really could, Mike. Another thing that could impact thing go things going forward has been what's going on with Dean Foods. We saw them declare bankruptcy not too long ago, and they actually have had some positive news now. It seems the Dairy Farmers of America... <laughs> is going to be buying 
about 44 of their 60 closed plants due to the bankruptcy. And so don't have any other information other than that, but 44 of those plants will be reopened or continued to be open, I should say, but don't know what's going to happen with the other 16 of the 60 that were part of the bankruptcy of Dean Foods. All right, Delaney. Well, I'll tell you what, my cab is here, so I'm going to let you go and finish the rest of this podcast introduction by yourself. Does that sound okay? That sounds great, Mike. Good to chat with you folks. Stay tuned for the interview. Well, Mike, as he mentioned, there is heading off to a speech. He's in Dubuque, Iowa. So, uh, folks, if you are around those areas, that's where Mike will be. But I just had one other quick piece of news before we look at some of those explosive, especially the wheat market explosions happened today. Looking at MFP payments, it appears that multiple members of the administration, not specifically the Trump administration, but multiple members of the House Ag Committee are now saying that it appears very likely that the Trump administration will reauthorize another round of market facilitation payment programs here in 2020 due to the fact that farmers are not being able to sell their products. We expected to see explosive markets come February 15th. Haven't seen that yet. And now add in the coronavirus and really not expecting to see those explosive sales overseas like we were expecting. And so... They think it will be justified to say that we'll see another round of market facilitation payment programs because of the coronavirus. I think I called this on the podcast, so uh, I'm still calling it, still sticking to it. I've been sharing that with folks as well. But don't include that as part of your marketing plan. That's the other thing I can't stress enough to folks. Don't include that as part of your marketing plan. Market crops on your own free will. Create a marketing plan. That's how you should be doing things. Don't rely on these government payments because we really don't know what's going to happen here in 2020. But as Mike said for today, wheat was really the huge winner in today's markets. But corn was also up on the day. Starting off, you're looking at the March corn contract closed up five and a quarter cent to end at 383 even, while the May up five and a half cents to close at 387 and a half. In the soybean pits, the March contract closed down a penny and a half to end at 892 and a quarter, while the May closed down one cent to end at 902 and a quarter. Wheat, huge moves all across the wheat complex, though. Looking specifically at the Chicago complex, the March closed up 24 cents on the day to end at 5.66 and three quarters, while the May up 23 and a half cents to close at 5.65 even. Looking over into the livestock market, they also had quite a bit of green on the screen for the day with the February live cattle contract ending up 60 cents to close at 121.42, the April up 27.5 cents to close the day at 120.60. In the feeder cattle pits, the strength continues with the March contract adding 77.5 cents to close at 139.30, while the April putting on 40 cents to close at 141.77 and a half. Lean hogs continued with the positivity today, with the April contract closing $1.20 higher to end at 65.50, the May up 55 cents to close at 73.55. And rounding out our markets with the Class 3 dairy milk futures pretty much unchanged on the day. The February contract lost a penny to close at 16.98, while the March remained unchanged to close at 17.01. Without further ado, let's kick it off to our conversation with BJ Brugman of Sentinel. 
Well, we are very excited to be joined today by BJ Brugman for this Tech Tuesday episode, co-founder of Sentinel. BJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. BJ, tell us, Sentinel is a newer tech company. You guys have a partnership that was just announced recently with the Ag Startup Engine out of Ames, Iowa. Tell us a little bit about that partnership. What does that do for your company and what's what does your company do? Yeah, so uh, we're a, a very young young company. Um, so far, we have we have three employees um, at Sentinel, and so um, what we're doing is really using AI and computer vision to eliminate one of the most menial tasks that's that is performed by um, pork producers today, which is counting pigs. Um, and it seems like such a silly thing that in 2020 um, we spend all this time manually counting pigs um, but really that's the that's the only way to do this uh, to do this job today is that we require humans to go into a barn count to 1200 or 2400 and they're counting objects that all look the same um, so it's a really difficult task to perform not to mention just that it takes so much time um, we estimate that it takes a service manager who would be a key employee of a swine production company, we estimate it takes about 40% of their time that they spend that much time um, counting pigs in a pen. And so what Sentinel set out to do was uh, eliminate that task almost completely. And, and so we're able to do that um, using our AI and computer vision technology to identify and count pigs in a pen. And then, of course, uh, you know, we're able to develop and grow our business to really develop the technology even further than we had um, when we got to the Ag Startup Engine. So the Ag Startup Engine is a group of investors based in Ames um, that it, it's an interesting group of people just in terms of uh, not only the network that they have, but the backgrounds that they come from. Um, so there were a couple folks in pig production or had spent part of their career in pig production um, that were able to connect with us on, on the issue and could acknowledge that, yeah, this is a huge issue. This is just something that we've kind of settled with. Uh, as an industry. Um, and then, of course, some with engineering backgrounds or some with no agricultural background, uh, but all providing interesting perspective. And of course, um, uh, very important for us, the funding to to keep grow keep growing our our company and keep developing the technology. Well, let's talk a little bit about that technology, BJ. When you say computer vision, I imagine a system that's using cameras to somehow identify each individual hog and then count them as Tell us a little bit about what you've developed. Yeah, so that's that that is that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Is um, basically what we're what we're using um, right now for kind of our our MVP, our minimum viable product, is a series of strategically placed cameras that can identify and count a pig. So six uh, six eight months ago, I think it was, we were we were just kind of at that proof of concept stage where we we're trying to say, okay, can yeah, can a camera do this? And and my co-founder Thomas Hornbeck, Thomas is. Uh, brilliant uh, technologist, uh, PhD in computer science, uh, extensive background in artificial intelligence and computer vision. When I got with Thomas, actually one of, one of the members of the Ag Startup Engine connected me to Thomas probably a year or so ago. Um, but that was what was really interesting was I was using, uh, my, my original part of my plan was to use um, um, another IoT device to count to count pigs uh, and Thomas said, well, why don't we just why don't we just develop an algorithm um, that can identify and count a pig using using 
camera technology. And the interesting thing about it also with the cameras is you might think like we have this special camera. The camera itself is not really special. Um, I, I, when I, you know, people ask, well, yeah, do I have to have these um, uh, $10,000 camera to do this? No, it, the, the cost curve on this hardware has come down so much in the last 10 years, but even more, you know, even more dramatically in the last five years that we're able to do this pretty affordably. And, and the secret sauce is, of course, the algorithm that we're using to identify and count pigs. But I, I always tell people it's, it's just like buying a, a 70 inch TV 10 years ago cost $10,000. And my dad and I bought one on Black Friday this year for, I don't know, I think 600 bucks. And so it's just, it's, it's an interesting time with, with the technology and what Thomas is able to do um, from an AI standpoint, kind of combined with now that the cost curve on, on the hardware is, is where it's at, allows us to bring this to producers. So walk me through the technology side of it. Walk, it, walk me through it in layman's terms. How does the AI software or the camera or whatever monitoring system you're using know each pig is a different pig? Does it look at ear tags? Is there some sort of chip that the that each pig has to have to allow the technology to know that it's a separate pig from its neighbor? Yeah. So what, what has to happen is you have to have a lot of images. And so what we've been doing the quick, the quick background on it. So a a video feed, like if you were just had a a video um, standard video camera, like a security camera, you might say that the, the, that would be gathering a video feed gathers 60 frames per second. So like 60 still images strung together in one second and every one second, then this, that's how you see the movement. Um, and so using a video feed, we get a lot of images. And so then what you do is you have to go, um, I forget the technical term. Thomas would uh, just kill me that I can't remember. I'll remember it in a minute what the term is where you basically train the AI, you're training the computer to know that that's a pig. And you have to physically do that. So with your first models, you have to physically draw the box and say, this is a pig. This is what I want you to count. And so it takes hundreds of thousands of images to get it to where it's, it's you know, 100% accurate. Um, but what you know we're constantly bringing in new images and and the computer gets better at guessing it gets better at knowing like i've seen some some of the some of the screenshots that thomas has sent me and um it does a pretty good job right now of guessing i think that's a pig and it'll, it'll kind of predict like it'll say with certain level of certainty it'll put a box around a pig and it'll say 64 percent and so it's it's just kind of saying I'm 64 percent certain that that's a pig. And as we generate more images and we validate, so we're we're telling the computer, yeah, you're right, that is a pig. It's going to continue to get better and better and better um, at at identifying pigs in a pen. And then and then what we're asking it to do is then say, okay, you've identified all these pigs. How many of them did you identify? And and it can say, well, 30. And we would know that's. There's 30 pigs in that pen. It's incredible. You know, we've had folks on for Tech Tuesday interviews before. We've discussed machine learning and how you train these computers to recognize certain images, and you treat them like a toddler. You, you say, this yeah. is a pig, this isn't a pig, and over time, the algorithms and the, and the processing learns to go, oh, okay, I got it. I can figure out some similarities between different pigs. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at pigs in a pen, 
they all look the same for the most part. I mean, assuming the producer's doing it right, how, mm-hmm. does, the, how does the computer, how does the camera, how is it able to actually then say, I know this is a pig, and I know that this thing next to it is a pig, and then it can start to count? What was the, the coding like? What was the time commitment like to develop that part, part of the, the software and the algorithm? Well, so that was that's Thomas's brilliant back, you know, brilliance and and his background and and expertise and and frankly that never ends. Um, you know the 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 development of that never ends. And if you think about it, you know it's so we're training it on a two hundred pound pig maybe today. The other interesting thing is okay, so now you've got fifty pound pigs. Now you have 300 pound pigs. Like it's, it's constant. It's a constant evolution of, of training. The one thing I would say is, is that we, we actually aren't as concerned right now about the camera identifying an individual pig. We, it, in terms of like it, it, it knowing that's pig a, and that's always pig a, um, that that's not as important to, to us today as there's pig a, B, C, D, E, F, G, and next next image a different it's a you know may, it may randomize a b c d f g uh in terms of in terms of the identity of the animal but what's really just important is that it's it knows in this in this boundary so this pen there are there are 28 or 30 pigs interesting so then to take that one step further bj i'm not sure if you guys sound like you're at the commercial rollout stage yet, but if I was a farmer and I wanted to employ this technology on my operation, how do I know that it's counting pigs? How would I use it to count pigs? How would I actually apply it into my operation? Yeah, so I think in, in part, part, we have a couple different strategies for getting it out to the market. Um, I think our first, our first strategy, um, just to kind of minimize hardware, is that will probably do mobile, a mobile application and put it in the hands of farmers, put it in the hands of, you know, people choring barns and, and providing care to barns um, to where we could just have that image, you know, capture the image, the image is uploaded at least initially. Um, and, and then the image is counted and will, you know, it would, it would populate into an interface. Um, we're, we're a couple months away from launching that. Um, but um I think that's probably the the easiest way in terms of, you know, not having to retrofit entire facilities instantly with camera technology, even though it's it's pretty cost competitive. I think we want to put it in the hands of people to to see and validate, like instead of spending three hours walking through a barn, counting 40 pens of pigs that all look the same. Can you put your iPhone on a selfie stick and snap 40 images that you upload to my server and you'll have the count tomorrow morning. I mean, I think, I think that value proposition is, is pretty strong. Um, especially when you think about, I just think I grew up on a farm in Northwest Iowa and I just, there's, there's a hundred things to do every day on a farm. And I, I think if you could take away one menial task to where now there's 99 things to do today <laughs> instead of a hundred, and free up some of that time for these employees, I think the value proposition is pretty strong. 
Absolutely. And it allows the caregivers to do what they do best, which is provide care to the livestock, in this case, the hogs. And that's going to result in a better product and hopefully a better performing facility. You mentioned, BJ, as you look ahead, you're thinking maybe in the next few months, you'll be ready to launch that portion of the program. From a business perspective, how does Sentinel aim to be profitable? How do you guys look to price this type of service to these hog barns? Yeah, so I, important that that we're, um, you know, we're, we don't see ourselves at all as a hardware company. Um, I think I think we're a hundred percent an insights company. Uh, uh, you know, software of course, but but generating insights into the barn. So I, I've spent the last eight years working in the pharmaceutical industry. I've worked with hog producers uh, primarily during that time um, in, in North Carolina and in Iowa, and and I, I think I think there's uh, there's so many questions of of barn level data that we would love to ask to to improve and to get better, but we can't ask those questions today because we either either one don't have the data, we don't don't have the information collected. Or two, if we do have it, we don't believe it. It's not reliable. And so I, I think I, we see ourselves in terms of, you know, getting, like you mentioned, getting to profitability and getting to where you have a stable business is we, we want to be the platform on which all of this information lives. And, and I think there, you know, if you look at kind of those transformational things in agriculture, I, you know, Roundup would certainly be one of them. Um Gosh, you know, you think those things that 50 million things were built on top of because a technology like that was introduced. And, and what's interesting about the swine industry is probably 99% of the barns aren't connected to the Internet. And so we can't ask these key questions of, of the barns or of, or of real, you know, we don't know what real-time inventory is because there hasn't been a reliable way to gather that gather that data and i think that's the value that sentinel provides is we're providing insights into the barn and and reliable insights at that well it is an exciting time it's exciting to watch your business grow as well as many others in the ag tech space. BJ, before we let you go, if folks have more information about your company or how it would work on their operation, where can they go to get more information? Yeah, certainly. Um, so you could feel free to yeah jump on our website. It's just gosentinel.co, um, not .com. Gosentinel.co um, is where our website is. You can you can reach out uh, for more contact. There's a form to fill out if you if you want a little bit more information. You can um, get in contact with me directly um, right from the website. Awesome. Well, BJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, again, a big thank you there to BJ. Great stuff. Really interesting to see that AI is literally changing the future of agriculture. But we are also changing the future of agriculture. Well, maybe not quite here on the podcast, but we'd like to think we are. We're changing the way, if nothing else, that you get your news and information. So please subscribe to us in your podcasting app and connect with us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that, folks, we'll see you back here tomorrow. 